We'll start with the mortgage approvals because I'd rather cover your opinion on that first. So um, one of the ones we wanted to cover was that the mortgage approvals uh, are at a 10 year high. Yep. So let's start with that and what your take is and then we'll go from there. Yep. Can I just say before we start, this is just general advice. So it's just our um, thoughts on what's happening in finance and property. So I'm um, happy to talk to anyone if they want to talk more. So yeah, I think the key thing here, the number of mortgage applications um, for refinancing and buying property is like at record highs at the moment. So what that means is if you are looking to buy a property, the first thing you've got to do is get your finance sorted. If you're going to open homes and looking at places without finance, one agents will not usually accept your offer because um, you know, it might take you two, three weeks to get your finance sorted. So they don't want to have a house just sitting in limbo that they've got an offer on that's not confirmed. They will nearly always take the offer that has finance approved. Um, even if you do have finance approved, make sure your offer is subject to valuation unless you're going to auction where you uh, basically waive your right. But um, sort of what's driving that we think is, I think we've talked in other podcasts that um, there's a lot of people who may have been planning overseas trips over the next year or two, um, other experience events, those sorts of things, weddings maybe. Um, people have had to move back home, um, expats have moved back to the country and a lot of, there's more expats that have moved back um, to Australia since uh, COVID um, than there were, than we have lost in immigration and international students. So there's a lot of activities, a lot of people buying property. Every market around the country is going well, apart from say inner city Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. We saw some stats during the week, I think you sent through, where um, in the last year, price in Hobart have gone up 16%, mm. which is like unbelievable. We've got a client in Hobart who's um, selling his um, uh, mother's house in Launceston and they're getting offers from people in Melbourne um, sight unseen. So. Um, one of the property guys we follow said one of the things about COVID is people are seeking um, clean air and open space. So mm. areas like that around the country are, are on fire. So get your finance sorted because there's a lot of activity and banks are still dealing with people who have um, who are not paying their loans off. So that's you know taking some of their resources away from what they'd normally be doing. Okay. One of the ones I wanted your opinion on too was an article I read up on during the week was talking about, so um, currently a record 29 lenders are offering cashback deals for homeowners looking to refinance their mortgage. Um, that's more than double the number of lenders back in February before COVID hit. Um, I guess like knowing that fact, what are like the pros and cons and what what is that an indicator of? To you that banks are putting more effort into giving money to people who want to refinance through those banks yeah i think there's a couple of things happening here um say five years ago you'd see a lot of bank ads on mainstream tv mainstream radio print um sort of above the line media um you know banks would spend a lot of money on that sort of thing um, there's not as many of those ads anymore they're not spending money on that so they're diverting their marketing budget which you know, basically is their cost of acquisition 
to other activities. So they're doing like Facebook. Um, they've got you know cashbacks for you know some of them have um, mortgage insurance waivers. Um, some of them will pay your conveyancing costs. Um, but what happened was when COVID hit, quite a few of the banks thought, well, um, we're going to have some loans that are um, they're a bit problematic because people might be self-employed and their business is shut down or they might have been laid off work and um, on job seeker or job keeper. Okay. So what they ended up doing was thinking, well, if we're not sure how the market's going to go, the easiest way to get new business is to take it from other banks. So okay. if you're in a... We've talked about in the past. If you've if you've been in a loan for a couple of years, you probably are paying too much interest. Now it might only be 05 percent or one percent, but if your loan's four hundred grand, that's two thousand or four thousand extra a year in interest that you're paying. So you're getting ripped off. So what the banks have some of the banks started doing it, and they got quite a lot of business out of it. So um ANZ and Westpac in particular had four thousand dollar cashback offers earlier this year we had a few people that took advantage of them because mm. it was in their best interest um so as those banks got more market share the other banks had to follow okay so quite a lot of banks have um two thousand dollar refinance cashback a couple of lenders that we've got access to have a two thousand dollar purchase cashback so if you're buying a property they'll give you money so mm. Um, if you go to your bank, they may not have that cashback offer um, or uh, purchase um, cashback, but if you come through a broker, we've got access to those. So probably the best bet, if you've been in your loan for a couple of years or your parents have or your brother and sister, get them to chat to their broker and um, see if there's a better deal around. If there's not, that's good. It means they've done a good deal and they're in the right loan and they're not paying too much. Because okay. um, one of the strategies we use with clients is refinance, get them a better rate, and when the cash back comes, encourage them to pay it off the loan. Right. So if you if you make it two thousand, you can go onto our website, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au, put in your loan numbers, um, put into one of the calculators there, uh, the lump sum repayment calculator that's on the website, put it in there that you're making a two thousand dollar once off repayment, and see what that does to your numbers. It can it can knock years off your loan. Okay. by doing that so one of the strategies for people is refinance every couple of years if there's a cashback and then um, pay that cash back off the loan okay. so I guess um, to I guess like a good piece of advice to give is like if you if you are going to look into refinancing and getting a cash back offer mm-hmm. on a lender that you switch to your advice would be don't think about getting that cat. Maybe like a common fault people do is they'll refinance with a new lender and then that money they'll get, like say it's three grand or four grand from a lender to refinance, mm-hmm. they'll spend that on like a treat. Yeah. And your advice would be to put that into the loan to re- to like pay off the mortgage quicker. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah the the benefit of doing it is only really if you're going to save interest. Yeah. The cashback. Is just a is just a bonus on top. So, yeah, if you're if you're doing it just to get a cash back and you're you're not really saving much on interest rate, um, you got to question it. The issue for a lot of people is, yeah, it is quite a painful process to refinance sometimes. Yeah, depends on your circumstances. Um, 
but yeah, a broker will do all the work for you and um, make sure you get the, the best deal or confirm that the deal you're in now is, is the best one. Okay. But just one other thing I would mention is if you if your mortgage repayment is say four hundred dollars a week and you can pay four twenty five or four fifty, um, set up an automatic direct debit for that extra amount so that um, you're making extra repayments. Right. You know, if you're making an extra thirty, fifty dollars a week repayment off your loan, you, you can you can wipe a couple of years off your loan term. Okay. Um, one of the other ones I wanted to talk to you about was uh, a few economists during the week, and and sometimes it's hard to sort of put a lot of stock in what economists say because sometimes the economists have a very doom and gloom outlook of where the where things are going to go financially, and they're not always correct. Yep. Um, but one of the one of the economists from one of the big four banks has come out this week, um, with giving his take that it looks pretty certain that the RBA will meet in November and cut rates, cut the uh, the interest rate from point two five was it yep. to point one? Yep. Is that's that's the rumor? And yep. so that can you explain to me because I we talk about the RBA a bit. The RBA is the Reserve Bank of Australia. Mm-hmm. They if I get this right, they lend money to the banks. Is um, that how that works? Not really, no. So how, what, what, why does the, the rate of interest for the RBA mm-hmm. change all how the banks are going to do their business? Like, yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah. So what the RBA does, it sort of manages the banking system or is one of the groups that manage the banking system. So it sets the cash rate, which is... Um, yeah, a lot of it sort of um, impacts the level of um, dep- the the interest banks pay on deposits, and then that's the money. You know, the banks lend for mortgages based on savings that people put into their bank accounts, so they lend that out, plus also money that they borrow from investors and people from here and overseas. So when the, when the cash rate goes down, and at the moment the cash rate's been 0.25% for, I think, since March, Yeah. the Reserve Bank meets the first Tuesday of every month, and they, you know, the stronger rumour is that they are going to reduce interest rates from 025 to 0.1. The resultant impact would normally be that banks drop their interest rates. So they might drop the business lending rates home loan rates, credit card rates, personal loan rates. So if people, um, if interest rates drop, people, one, might be more inclined to borrow money, Mm. which is what they want people to do. They want people to borrow money. um, So they go buy things, which, um, you know, if you buy things, there's a whole supply chain, whether it's, you know, uh, meat, white goods, um, landscaping on your house, new cars, all that sort of stuff. When people buy things, there's a supply chain and people employed in that. So that's what that's what they're looking to do. But one of the interesting things is when um, the pandemic hit, the government um, gave a lot of people money through Job Seeker and Job Keeper programs, and a lot of people saved that money, especially mm. if people got more money than they would normally be right. used to getting. So it's just interesting that in the budget in October, the government um, decided to give tax cuts to people. So there's going to be a lot of people who get tax cuts who don't actually need the tax cut. Mm. Um, and a few people suggest um, that the government would have been better off maybe reducing some of the tax cuts and 
putting that money into government spending on programs yeah. so like infrastructure programs or mental health programs or social housing there's a big need for social housing and um yeah about 20,000 we're 20,000 short social housing places in Australia and the you know the productivity and the amount of the amount of money we spend supporting people who if they were given social housing um their total spend would be a lot less so yeah. it just seems a bit odd that they're giving giving money to people who are probably just going to save it yeah yeah okay um one of the other ones it's more so a few of it's a factual thing that we've spoken about before um and you always use the same i think it's a metaphor but you say uh there's more seagulls than there are chips um yeah a euphemism i guess you'd say so one of the articles that i read up over the week that i wanted to ask your two cents for was that uh the number of homes for sale across australia is at a 10-year low um new listings are increasing only marginally and so because there's more there's more people looking to buy houses than there are houses going on the market um it's a 10-year low so at the same time that there's a a 10-year high in mortgage approvals there's a 10-year low in housing availability i guess yeah um what do you think the the pros and cons of that might be well i think the the there's not really the pros and cons. It's more like what what will be the outcome, and the outcome is that prices are rising. Right. So, um, you know, we've got clients at the moment in a lot of places around the country trying to buy places, and um, you know they're having to usually offer ten to fifteen percent above the highest part of the guide to get a property. And you know when they're going to open homes, I was talking to one of the buy local buyers agents in Newcastle last week. And he was at a, uh, an open home in a suburb called Mayfield about oh, five k's west of Newcastle. And, you know, the line-up to get into the open home was two houses up the road. Mm. So at the moment, there's definitely more seagulls than there are chips. Yeah. Um, listings are starting to increase <coughs> a little bit, excuse me, a little bit across the country. But at the moment, there's so much demand that they're just being soaked up pretty quickly and places are selling very quickly. So we've recommended to a few of our clients to use a buyer's agent because if you want a property, you're probably better off getting one before it goes on the market and buyer's agents usually have access to those sorts of properties. Okay. All right. Last thing I've got, and then um, we'll move on to anything you want to cover before we wrap it up. Um, you mentioned, mentioned this to me during the week about... Uh, there's been like a few articles reporting a rise in searches by uh, American, like people over in the US searching for like beachside property in Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to expand on that yeah, one? Yeah, so one of the thing people, you know, one of the things people do in lockdown, um, apart from sort of tidying up their house a bit and working out what they like to change, um, if, they've, if they're locked down for a while and um, I know there was a bit of coverage about the rugby league grand final last year in, in Sydney where there was 40,000 people there. There was a lot of commentary on the internet from um, people in the UK saying, well, how come we can't do that and why didn't we manage COVID better? So we, we suspect that once um, that once the borders reopen, there'll be a lot of people wanting to emigrate to New Zealand and Australia because um, you know, people want... People want um, a stable environment where there's 
you know, they're not going to be locked down. This is what the third time the UK has been locked down. Mm. Um, we're talking about the end of October. Um, every time they reopen, it just gets out of control again. Yeah. Um, there's record number of COVID cases in America, I think, on Thursday. So this thing's around for a while. So, yeah, what they can what they can do through um, search engines now is track, um, you know, where people are looking and what people are looking to do. And, yeah... Uh, we read it. Yeah, the thing read during the week was that a lot of people in America are looking at either how how can they immigrate to New Zealand mm. or how can they buy beachside property in Australia because yeah. there's a lot of beaches in Australia and yeah. now some of the places up up the north, you know, right up the east coast and and the west coast, um, you know, they're in little towns and they're quite affordable. Yeah. So um, yeah. Okay. Is there anything you wanted to cover after that? Not really. I think just um, you know, make sure you do your due diligence, you get your finance in place. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't just listen to a real estate agent. You know, if, if you're looking at a place in most markets at the moment, you're probably going to have to spend up to 10% above the guide mm. to get a property. Um, real estate agents, yeah, they're trying to put a price on a property, but they never know when they're listing it whether there's going to be 50 people at the open or five people at the open. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but if you're if you're keen on a property, um, go hard and go early. Yeah. Um, if you're in a property and you're looking to, sh- you know, shake things up a bit, um, now's a good time to leverage the equity in your property to renovate. There's a lot of that happening. People new kitchens, bathrooms, pools, um, all those sorts of things, landscaping. Zoom rooms, heaps of things that people people are doing. So um, yeah, it's a good time because property valuations are up. Yeah. The other thing is if you're looking to buy a rental property, um, you know, don't necessarily look around where you live. Look at look at other locations where the capital growth is okay and the rental yields good, because you can basically if you've got good equity in your house and a stable job, you can normally get a property that will pay for itself. Yeah. Which is um, which is pretty good. You know, if the yield's five percent, and the interest rate's three percent, and your costs are point five percent, where you're making good money. So. Yeah, that's fair. I've got a few other questions. I was just thinking about that. Um, we've sort of uh, we've covered before, but I think it's probably better that we rehash them. First one is uh, super. Yep. So like we uh back in the like in March or April the government announced that they were gonna like bring out more super, uh the access to super so mm-hmm. people could as of a certain point, um in March or April access up to ten grand of their superannuation, because a lot of people lost their jobs or a lot of people became, uh they either lost their jobs or they suffered like a huge cut to their hours, mm-hmm. so the amount of money they were earning was a lot less, um. And for, for all the people my age that I know of that accessed most of their super and took it out that might not have needed to do it, um, I also knew a fair amount of people whose parents and stuff took it out, but they didn't really need to either. Like people across generational gaps have all done the same thing, taking money out of their super. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, like what, what do you think the the cons are of taking it out of because all the financial planning people I've spoken to over the last six months have said don't do it yeah. and they discouraged it because 
uh, they believed it's not a smart long-term decision to take your super out. Can you explain why you think that is? Yeah. So what the government um, was, what the government said, was that yeah, I think I think they got a bit spooked when the pandemic first hit and there was a lockdown and they saw lots of people lined up outside Centrelink were thinking, wow, we've got to do something. So rightly, they came up with JobKeeper program, boosted JobSeeker. Right. And said, okay, if you've got money, you could you could get 10000 out of super prior to, prior to 30 June and 10000 after. Now, the normal rule was that you had to be in financial hardship. Now, quite a lot of people got 10 grand out before and 10 grand out after and just put it in the bank for their house deposit. So technically, what they did was probably illegal. Mm. So, you know, at some stage they might have to pay that back. Don't know. Depends on what you know, how much compliance is done. Um, so yeah, that that has happened. I think the figure was about thirty four billion in mm. super was taken out. So, um, you know, if people are over fifty, you know, they may have plenty of super. So it doesn't really matter that much. If they're younger, they've got plenty of years to make that back up. Um, there's as many people who thought it was a good idea, uh, who thought, and also people thought it was a bad idea. So, but yeah, that was something that happened. One of the things I think is that with the stimulus trimming back and and thirty four billion not being ripped out of super to be put in the bank or spent, um, I think it does mean the economy is going to slow. So, okay. if that slows. Um, who knows what will end up happening. So you think because of how many people have taken super out? And they can't they take another be. $34 billion out. So if people have taken $34 billion out of super in effectively seven months, you can't keep doing that. And so. that's, that's $34 billion that is invested across... A range of things. A range of yeah. industries across the country and yeah. the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's... Yeah. It's one of those things, super is for your retirement, and it was meant to just give people some cash to, yeah, just to have, because, you know, they didn't want people sort of, you know, stressing out and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, if you, we do know, you know, one of the questions we ask people on our one-page form is, um, did, you know, has your income been impacted by COVID? Mm. And did you take any money out of super before thirty, before thirty June or after one July? And if people say yes, we're suggesting to them that they may not want to apply for finance for a while because if you've got to tell the bank that, and you you're only really allowed to get that money out if you're in financial hardship. Yeah. So the bank can turn around and say, well, if you got the money out, you're in financial hardship or were then, prove to us you're not now. Yeah. Otherwise, why are you getting it, trying to get a loan if you're in financial hardship? Yeah. So. Okay. And that's, I think, that might come back to bite some people because I remember talking to a, a mutual friend of ours who does financial uh, advising or planning and mm-hmm. he was saying how many of his clients were against, uh, against his uh, advisement. Yeah. Was, uh, they would just buy trailers. Yeah. Or like buy something that they might not really need, but like some yeah. some people got um, like plastic enhancement, plastic, <laughs> plastic enhancement. Some people yeah, bought trail ideal. bikes. Some people bought caravans. Yeah. Some people bought just household goods. You know, splurged it. 
um, wasn't really the intention, I don't think. No. Um, who knows what the intention was because it did come as a bit of a surprise when yeah. it was announced. But, um, yeah, that's um, yeah, we'll just have to see how that plays out. Mm. And when you said that, that, that the, the pulling out of the super could lead to slowing in the economy, and you did say could, like it's, it's just your, your idea of what could happen, but what do you mean by slowing in the economy? Well, I just think if you look at over the last, say, seven months, how much money is being pumped into the economy from government and from people taking super out. Now, go forward the next six to 12 months, there's going to be less money pumped in by the government through like wage support and that sort of thing mm. and there'll be none pumped in from people withdrawing super yeah so if there's less money flushing around to be spent on things um i i would think that it would mean the economy's going to slow yeah like longer term so what that means for house prices i don't really know because at the moment um yeah the biggest in the biggest issue is lack of supply there's not enough there's not enough supply around. So it's a bit like when the pandemic first hit and some people were selling toilet paper for twenty five dollars on eBay and Gumtree and those sorts of things, you know, a pack of ten for twenty five bucks. There was not enough supply and heaps of demand. So mm. it happens in every every product in every market. So at the moment yeah. it's just happening in houses houses. But not everywhere. Um because, you know, inner city Sydney and Melbourne units, vacancy rates are rising and rents are dropping and, yeah, they're not, places aren't selling as well. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you too, so like early on when we were doing the podcasts, I think you probably gave a little bit of a, a Wikipedia bio of what you used to do and how you got into this, but like when you first, you started, you were in accounting at uni and then you went into tax and we've spoken about this before. I just mm. want to ask you a question because we're talking about this off the, before we recorded in the morning. Um, did moving into doing mortgages seem like a good transition or is it something you sort of fell into or is it something like, did you sort of plan this before you took you left the tax office? No, no, not at all. So how'd that all, how'd oh, it no, all we, eventually? We, there was just the opportunity to go to, to you know, reset Right. So I'd been there for a long time and it was time to move. I wasn't 100% sure on what I wanted to do, but I did know I didn't want to be there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with with broking, we've always used brokers. So I knew what brokers did and I always thought it looked like a bit of fun and it is. Um, we were a bit different to most brokers because most brokers just look after within a half an hour drive of where they live, whereas we have clients everywhere. Um everywhere except Northern Territory at the moment. So, um, you know, and we like property. So, you know, on any given Saturday, like today, Saturday, we've been talking to three different people about buying property in three different states because that's what we like doing. Mm. So we're more, we like property, um, helping people make wealth through property and, um, the, you know, the finance, the property's like the car and the finance is like petrol. So... The, the finance helps you get there, but you got to work out where you want to go first. So we help people work out whether what they want to achieve through their property uh, or properties, um, give them options, give them choices. Um, you know, if you go to your bank and say, I want to buy a property in Ballarat, 
and they say how much do you need and you say 400 grand they'll get you a loan for 400 grand whereas we'll talk to you about what you want to do with that property um, why you're buying it is a long-term hold do you want to rent it out later what are the, all the different options because the way you set up your loan um, can impact the benefits you get from that property later on yeah. and also about where are good places to buy in that area if you're just buying for investment is that the best area yeah. we do work with national buyers agents so um yeah they're the they're the guys and girls that have got their finger on the pulse on what's happening in all the suburbs around australia okay. so they can much like a sh- um, someone who follows shares they can tell you which shares are good to buy because yeah. they treat property like shares so okay. beautiful do you want to plug all the business stuff? Yeah, yeah, cool. Involved? So moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. I'm happy to help if it, even if it's just to um, confirm that the loan you're in is the best one. Um, and if it's not, we'll help you get into the best one. Get your cash back if we can. Um, talk to you about you know, why you're doing what you're doing and how that might play out in the future with you know, capital growth projections and tax savings and that sort of thing. So happy to help. So yeah, Money Saver Home Loans. Just type that into Facebook and you'll find us or on the website. 